years ago, a report was submitted to the Alberta government, a report that was submitted by a panel that was tasked with doing exactly that. Do a report. Tell us what the impact was of the minimum wage changes that the previous government had, had brought in. Under the NDP, there was an aggressive push to go from what started as $10.20 an hour very quickly to $15 an hour. What happened when we did that? Well, the report did its work. They submitted a report. Uh, COVID got in the way and it uh, sat on the shelf for three years. After some pressure, the Alberta government late last week released that report. Joining us to talk about what was in that report and how it should uh, shape the debate around minimum wage policy going forward is the economist who chaired that panel, led that work. Joseph Marchand is a professor of economics at the University of Alberta. Professor Marchand, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Great. Thanks. Happy to be back. All right. Well, you, you had called for this report to be made public. Now it finally is. Uh, let me just get your thoughts, first of all, on, well, A, the release of the report, but B, also the uh, accompanying announcement that the status quo on minimum wage is going to prevail. Right. So uh, just a bit of history here. So um, if we go back to August 2019, uh, that's when our panel began its work. We worked for six months. We actually met six times in person, the nine of us. We handed it in at the end of February 2020. Obviously, COVID did its thing, and yep. uh, minimum wage policy kind of got, uh, got, got pushed to the back burner. So a couple of years go by, and as we were kind of gearing up for a provincial election with election platforms that are probably going to talk about minimum wage policy and affordability uh, in these types of topics, I thought it would be good to put this report in the hands of Albertans, and the government agreed. Um, so I, I basically spoke with them last month. Um, I put out a, a, a public call, and uh, Minister Jean had uh, very nice things to say about the, the panel and the report. And uh, along with that, um, basically said that, uh, that the government of Alberta won't be doing anything at this time mm-hmm. on the minimum wage policy. However, um, with the election coming up, I probably wouldn't expect things to change kind of two months before an election. Right. Um, so I think that was kind of a given that that was uh, that that would be the stance. Um, that said, I'm very curious to see what the election platforms are going to say about this policy, especially with this information now in everyone's hands. Right. So yeah, are you hopeful that either during the election or after the election, there's going to be an opportunity for a more fulsome conversation about minimum wage policy? Yes. I mean, I, I hope that conversation starts today yeah. um, with with everyone reading this report. It's available on open government. It's available through uh, Minister Jean, uh, the, the Ministry of Jobs, Economy and Northern Development. Um, it, I have related research that's available on my website that's uh, a little bit more academic oriented, but some of it made the report um, kind of in its early stages back in 2020. So there's at least two products out there, um, the government report and my uh, academic research, that Albertans can use to see what happened with this policy from 2015 to 2019. Because if you remember, it was a very experimental policy at the time. Um, This this $15 uh, level actually didn't come from anything related to Alberta. It actually came from fast food workers fighting for a $15 minimum wage in New York City three years before that. So the location was different. Um, the context was different. The timing was different. Um, 
and it's not even the same country or currency, right? Yeah. So, so that's where that came from. Um, and so I was kind of very curious why that number was picked. And then I was very curious as to what the results would be. And I kind of gave my thinking about this policy all along, knowing multiple things about the Alberta labor market and how we could think about uh, such, a, such an increase in the minimum wage. And then luckily, in 2019 and beyond, we've had the data in front of us to then analyze that. But that said, there's still only two products about this policy, and that's the government report in, in my research uh, paper. Well, let's talk a bit about what, what's in this report now that that's released and you're able to talk about it. Um, you know, a few things do jump out to me. This one in particular, the finding sure. that you know, Alberta used to have the, the smallest percentage of the workforce earning the minimum wage. That changed dramatically from 2015 to 2018. We, we ended up at that point with the second highest proportion of minimum wage earners in our economy from 2.3% to 11.5% of the workforce. Why did that change so dramatically? Yeah, I, I agree. That's a very interesting number. And that's that's that compositional change is not something that I followed up on in my, my academic research. So that is very report um, specific. So at the time, um, back in 2015, so we had the um, minimum wage formula tied to 50% increases in uh, prices and 50% increases in earnings. So that was scrapped with this movement from 1020 to 15 over the, the, the four increments in three years. And uh, at, at that time in 2015, 1020, I think, was tied for the lowest mm-hmm. uh, minimum wage, right? Um, and then by 2018, we were the highest or I think second highest um, because I think one of the territories was, was above us even in, in 2018 or it was close. Um, and so you're going to see not many workers um, at the minimum wage when the minimum wage is low. If you then raise the minimum wage where it's relatively high, you're going to have a lot more workers working at the minimum wage because essentially what you're doing, if you kind of picture a, a, a normal distribution in front of you, you're truncating the left side of that distribution, right? Yeah. And I think one of the really the most interesting figure, both in the report and in our research, is that we actually track employment of all individuals kind of working in this left-hand tail as the increments kind of push them up the distribution. And I, I, I really think that's the coolest figure. I believe it's figure five, but essentially we're, we're looking at employment in the two middle increments from uh, uh, 1120 to, to 1360, and you can see a whole bunch of individuals get pushed into these middle wage bins when the minimum wage gets increased to 1120. And then when it goes to 1220, you see more and more of them get pushed forward. However, as it goes to 1360 and 15, then you see those middle bins go to zero, right? Which we wouldn't expect any workers to be there. Right. So what's the problem? So, so we actually track about 250,000 individuals moving in employment up the distribution when it gets truncated at the $15. So that's really big, right? But we lose uh, essentially 10% of that, 25,000 workers, right? So you, you kind of have the benefit that some workers got a raise, but some workers lost their job. And it's about a 10 to 1 ratio to ballpark it. 
Yeah, and, and so you, you, you are able to deduce from all of this that there were job losses. It, it was caused by this increase. A lot of that concentrated uh, very much so anyway among, amongst younger workers. What was the impact there? Yeah, that's right. So let me be really clear about this because I've, I've heard some criticism coming thus far that, oh, these job losses weren't due to the policy. My co-author and I, my panel, fellow panelists and I did a really good job and spent a lot of energy just taking out the effects of the policy. So everything we're showing are effects of the policy and the policy alone. Yeah, so I want to be very clear about that because I'm hearing criticisms that, oh, those job losses were due to the energy bus, and that is simply not the case. We control for all of that. And if you want kind of the very nerdy write-up of that, please read the academic study because it has all those nerdy bits that some people might be looking for in terms of measurement. But with regards to the effects, that's right. So most of the minimum wage literature does look towards the young as the group that's going to get hit the hardest in terms of possible employment losses from the minimum wage increases. And that was no different here. Um, and so we, we had this kind of larger age group of 15 to 24 that we were looking at. We do get into the details separate, separating out teenagers from, from young adults in the academic study. But in the report, if you look at that group, that's where the, the job losses were concentrated for the age distribution. But if you take it a little bit further, we also show that there's a geographic dispersion of the job loss, that those job losses from the minimum wage policy didn't come in Calgary and Edmonton. They came everywhere else, pretty much. And so why is that? Because Calgary and Edmonton are higher priced places, and the other, economic, the other five economic regions that comprise Alberta have lower prices, have lower wages. And so when you have this kind of one price or one wage that you're fitting to everybody in the province, that's where you're going to find your losses. And, I, and this is something I had predicted back in 2017 in my C.D. Howe report. I said that that would, that would be the case for young workers. I said that would be the case for, for non-urban areas. And, and here's the numbers to prove that it was right. Well, I mean, you do find that for, for older workers, there's there's less of a, a significant relationship between the policy and, and impact employment. Why does it disproportionately then seem to impact younger workers? Yeah, so that, you know, younger workers have, have less skills. They're going to be working at this, these lower wages, this left tail of the distribution. And, you know, once you get up to about uh, $20 in the wage distribution, none of the minimum wage effects are seen ab- above $20. So even with this kind of truncation at 15, you really don't see those effects any further up the distribution than about $20. And we kind of use that um, in our academic study as well. But there is some nuance there. There is some nuance there. So if we look at older workers in the cities, uh, Calgary and Edmonton, and we look at young workers in the cities, Calgary and Edmonton. So young did lose their jobs in Calgary and Edmonton, but they were actually offset by employment increases due to the policy in older workers. And that's why you don't see an employment change in Calgary and Edmonton. We find that to be really interesting. Unfortunately, that part's not in the report. It's in my academic study, first to 15. But uh, we thought that nuance was, was kind of really important. Now, what might be happening there 
is that you fire workers that might have been working the register, right? When customers w- walk up to a counter at, say, like a fast food restaurant, yeah. and you replace them with a kiosk. So now the young worker doesn't have a job, but now someone has to service the kiosks. And maybe that's an older worker with more skills that you pay more. And perhaps that's what we're seeing in the employment increases that are offsetting the, the youth, in, youth decreases in the cities. I did want to touch on as well, and this was another part of the policy change, was to eliminate the the separate liquor server wage, $15 an hour then applied to everybody, including those working in, in kind of that, that liquor service sector. And as this report notes, like there's some fundamental differences when it comes to these workers that we likely saw as a result of this change, uh, a reduction in hours for liquor servers in Alberta. So th- this had an impact, and it's maybe something that, that we should still be having a conversation about, whether to have this kind of separate policy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. So I, I didn't know much about this particular piece of minimum wage policy until we got into it with the panel uh, starting in August 2019. And I really relied on my my fellow panelists, some of which were liquor servers, to really walk us all through, and they do it in the report as well, very brilliantly, walk us all through what the kind of day-to-day exercise is in terms of wages and hours and tips for liquor servers. I think the report does an excellent job of of walking everybody through that. Mm -hmm. And there's some appendix tables too, where we, we do a bunch of different calculations you know, considering kind of different minimum wages and and whether there's a differential or not. But at that time, uh, in 2015, about half the provinces had liquor differentials and half didn't, right? And so you look at Alberta and you say, well, now it did have it in 2015, and now they're going to eliminate it along the way. What I found fascinating about that is that it was the the general move from 1020 to $15 was a 47% nominal increase but because you got rid of the liquor server differential and moved liquor servers to the $15 minimum wage that was actually a 63% nominal increase i mean quite drastic as someone that does empirical measurement though i couldn't use any of my tools on that particular set because it's just a small sliver of the labor market. Mm -hmm. And so we really had to rely on all these other various scenario calculations, which you'll see in the report. But I agree that that kind of debate is not necessarily over. And I think that could possibly be on the table as well um, when these parties are putting together their platforms and then we're all analyzing what they're going to put forward. Well, and I mean, as you, you've said, as you say in the report, this is about, you know, helping Albertans understand the impact of these changes and, and hopefully then trying to in, inform the conversation about future policy in these areas. And so I, I guess that's where this ought to go from here, right? Absolutely. So I'm having that conversation now. We're having that conversation. I'm going to continue to have this conversation once the election platforms come in. Maybe you can have me back and we can kind of hash out what I think um, in terms of their their minimum wage stance and maybe their other labor market policies as well. Um, But everyone that's interested in this and is interested in affordability, which I think is pretty much every Albertan at this point in 2023, Please have a look at the information that's out there. This is high-quality information both in the report and my study, First to 15, on on my webpage. Please have a look, and I'll continue to answer any questions that anybody has about this. Well, we do appreciate that, Professor Marchand. We'll leave it there for now. Thank you so much for joining us here this afternoon. Much appreciated. Awesome. Thank you, Rob.
Right, there you go. Joseph uh, Marchand at the University of Alberta, professor of economics, uh, chaired this panel that did this work, prepared this report. And, you know, he's been saying for a while, release it. Let's get it out there. Let's talk about it. And if people want some clarity for clarification from me on, on this and that, I'm more than happy to talk about it. So I, I like that kind of transparency and an eagerness to have a policy conversation around something like this. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play or wherever you find your podcast. You can also find me on Twitter at Rob Breckenridge. You can email me, rob at 770chqr.com. Talk to you next time.